It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers, coming to you from the beautiful Loop Studios of Radio DePaul Sports in downtown Chicago, Illinois. My name is Mike Fleischman. Joining me as always and or usual is Matt Mellemsetter. Hey. Um, Question to start things off. Have you ever had a catastrophic injury? Oh, my God. I've had so many. Which one? Which you, one do you we were want to start a, you with? were a baseball player. I was a baseball player. I was a basketball player. I was a tennis player. None of my catastrophic injuries came from tennis, uh, thankfully. Um, no, I've had a number of catastrophic injuries. Uh, do you want to hear about the nose? Uh, do you want a story? Like what is? Yeah, where I'm, are we going I'm, here? I'm looking for. You know, of course, this is tied to the only story to come out of the Packers world in in recent days. But I figured we would start off uh, with with catastrophic injury stories. Um, I don't know if one stands out, if there's a laundry list punctuated by, like, small digressions, however you want to handle it. I have a few different ones. Um, So we'll start with the nose. I was playing shortstop, um, and somebody hits a pop fly into short, shallow center field, and I'm going back, and um, I'm calling for it, and the wind kind of takes it just a little bit more. um, And I'm still calling for it, and at the last second, it turns out I'm going to have to kind of lay out a little bit. And so I start to dive, and the guy playing center field has been coming in this whole time and has not said a word, um, and he's not clearing out either, and so he slides, and so I dive and connect directly nose to knee of him sliding in and completely Ow. shatter my nose. I got knocked out. Um, There's a pool of blood in center field, like a stain on the grass for like a week afterwards. Um, I had braces on, and my lips were so attached to my braces that it had to be cut out with a car key. Um, and I, I oh, that's like triage. Yeah, no, it was it was horrifying. And I, all I remember is wanting to go play shortstop again. And they were like, "No, you have to go to the hospital." <laughs> um, being in shock is fun, right? Yeah, no, being in shock is great. <laughs> uh, and so I had a oh man bad concussion and a broken nose, and I was back on the field in two weeks. Um, and then. Both of my two front teeth are fake also. Uh, I was going up for a layup playing basketball, and I got hit from behind and landed teeth first. All right. And went to take my free throws, and somebody said, no, uh, here are your teeth. And I went, uh-huh. So we have a couple of common <laughs> themes in your catastrophic injuries. Is One, it's about your face. Yeah, no, it's which, about like, face. Which I think is not bad. I think my face is not bad, but it's it's been, it's been wrecked a little bit here and there. No, I was going to say, like, for someone who has suffered a lot of catastrophic injuries right to the front portion of <laughs> yeah. your face. Yeah. You, like, your face is, is a testament to modern medicine. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, modern medicine. Because you, you don't... It's not alarming. No. <laughs> so that's that's good. Uh, I've never really had a truly catastrophic good. injury. I've had, like, one major surgery in my life, but it's not an injury. It's just the fact that my body is dying before sure. my brain catches up to it. But, you know, a couple of broken fingers, mm-hmm. a couple of broken toes. Sure. Happens all the time. Um, you know, a few more serious burns, but only just like skin burns. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Good. Good for you. You've, you've <laughs> made it out of, yeah. you, you're on the path of making it out of, of life coasting. Well, no, and, yeah. no, no broken arms, no broken tibulas, no. So has it just ACLs. been face, or have you like, you know, have you like, uh, I've bad breaks or torn ligaments? I, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that there's something wrong with my elbow, and has been for a while, but I'm too scared to get it checked out. Right. Um, I broke my nose a second time, uh, my freshman year of college, and I never fixed it, so it's still busted. Um, 
see a little curve. It is a little bit a little off curve. center. Yeah, I was playing flag football and took an elbow to the playing cornerback. Um, took an elbow, but I broke up the pass and, and sure. we won the game. So that was the the final play of the game, and I broke it up. So we'll, you know what, we'll we'll take it. We'll take the W. Um, no, that's really it, though. I have I have my pinky finger on my left hand. Yeah, you can notice that it's uh. It's, very thick. Yeah, no, I in see. In the in the most the most nearest to the to my actual hand yeah. part of it. I do not know the t- anatomy terms. What is that? Uh I slammed it not no, I'm not going to It was slammed in a car door. Oh. Someone else Oh. Somebody else slammed the door. My hand was still there. Oh. And it was never properly set. I just splinted it with a like a popsicle stick and duct taped it right. closed. Yeah. And, you know, eventually it healed up. But, you, you know, I've heard that that's popsicle how trick is actually exactly what a doctor would do if you went to the ER, is they would actually just eat the popsicles yeah. real quick and then just tape well, it up. Most likely they would have actually, like, set the bones back to where they should have been before sure. having the bones healed because that's essentially what has happened is that yeah. the bones have healed in a way that is makes my... A little pinky ch- finger chunky. F- chunky. <laughs> so <laughs> that's probably like the worst dis- dis- scarring I've ever, ever had. I ask, of course, because, yeah, the only real story is poor Matt LaFleur playing basketball. Poor Matt LaFleur. First major Packers injury of the season. It's not going to affect the, the on-field players, but uh, Matt LaFleur, who if you look at pictures of the guy, you know, he comes out of Mike Vrabel and Tennessee's yeah. program, much like Mike Vrabel, is kind of one of those guys who's like not ready to not be super ripped all the yeah. time. Yep. And like Vrabel's in like better shape than he was when he was a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> and Lafleur, another one of those guys who apparently was like kind of making his brand be like the guy, like no, don't hit him like that. Hit him like this. Yeah. And just like smacking oh, people around. That's that because that's his whole thing is he wants to be hands on. Yeah. He wants to be in the middle of everything. And I, I wonder how this torn Achilles is going to impact how he coaches. Uh, he he seems to be sort of a maniac. Yeah, and yeah, he was he was throwing out the first pitch at their softball game. Yeah, and he walked out. Yeah, he walked out in the boot. So yeah, if I had to venture a guess, he's probably not going to let it bother him all that much. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to have a whole bunch of team doctors being like, "Well, whatever." <laughs> just let him. He's he's never going to play football again. Just let him. Yeah, the it. doctor will kind of be like talking and turning away from being like, "Now you're going to want to have to stay off that for the next two w- and turn back around." And he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you go deep, bro. <laughs> Thirty yard post. Go. <laughs> I think I bring this up not only because, of course, Lafleur broke himself. Yeah. Playing basketball, apparently. And, like, the leg injuries are the one thing that basketball really can bring to you that football cannot, yeah. and generally a much safer sport to yeah. play, except you will occasionally really extremely F up your leg and or ankle area mm-hmm. doing so. But so much of sports commentary involves taking for granted very serious injuries to people. Yeah. Like, if I tore my Achilles, my entire life would change forever. It would be the, the, the defining moment of my adult mm-hmm. life. Like nothing would ever be the same. Like my, my whole life would be divided into yeah. before I tore my Achilles and afterwards and after I tore my, and the wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. And because, we, we take for granted that, and we talk about like 
oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers just broke his leg in 17 places. He'll be back next year. It's cool. That's like, that wears on you mentally. Mm. That's it's so hard to come back from it. Yeah. And like, and this is basketball, but Paul George talked a lot about that after his injury in the U.S. Olympics game. Was like, it took him two years to be mentally ready to go again. Sure. And, and just kind of these big catastrophic, catastrophic injuries can really impact like your confidence in your body being able to execute what you want it to do. And there's, there's no better way to get reminded of your own mortality than, than to, you know, have, have a bunch of doctors poking at you. Yeah. And to like have your body reduced to like a thing that doctors are poking at. Yeah. In, instead They're testing. Of, yeah. Yeah. That's that. That is never fun. No. Yeah, because that's been my one, my one hospital experience. You know, I was like in there for three and a half days, and I just the only thing I really wanted was for like doctors to stop poking at me. They love to poke. Yeah, they're always in a poking mood. Like, does this hurt? As they're like squashing every internal organ <laughs> of my body together. Well, yes. 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 That indeed does hurt. I would appreciate it if you would stop squashing my <laughs> organs together. <laughs> But it's just another another aspect of, of the divide between, like, the sports commentator is just like, I don't see why he can't come back from that torn ACL. Yeah. And, like, the, you know, the guy who has to work his way back from the torn ACL is like, give me some time. Yeah, give me some time or, or, like, maybe. Like, there's this immediate assumption that when a player has a terrible injury, the only thing that they want is to come back. They got other things. Really? Yeah, they got other things in their life besides the sport. Not that big of a deal. I mean, again, to basketball, like Kawhi Leonard, there was such a big uproar around Kawhi Leonard's injury last year. I still have no idea how he was hurt. I have no idea what the deal was. Um, I just know that the, the media wanted to spin the narrative of, like, he's just trying to force his way out of San Antonio. Yeah. Which... I have no idea if that's true or not because, like, I don't expect Kawhi Leonard to ever explain the situation to me. No, all we've heard is that his, his uncle saying that there was, like, distrust that they thought he should be ready to go, and he was like, I'm not ready to go yet. I think he's ready to go now. And now he's ready to go. It took him a year, and now he's ready to go. Sure. I just, I really want, I want athletes to have that kind of control as much as, like, we have to realize that, of course, it is a little frustrating. Like, Kawhi Leonard doesn't want yeah. to be a spur. Like, I want Kawhi Leonard to be a spur. Yeah. yeah like, that's, like, I, I want that, but I want that from, like, the fans' perspective of that's fun as shit. Yeah. When Kawhi Leonard's on the Spurs and Coach Popovich and Kawhi Leonard are, like, hanging out and, like, yeah, having that, that like, meeting of personalities, but... Where no one says three words. Yeah, but my... <laughs> m- m- my opinions on it don't mean anything. Yeah, no. It's just just what I want from a fan's perspective. Like I do not, I do not like the, I do not like a world where the Raptors are good. Sure. Which is I yeah part I, of it I, as well. I just don't like a world where the Raptors beat the Bucks. Yeah, that so that world sucks as well. That's my nightmare zone. I did not, I did not think that the Raptors quite had, had the depth to beat the Bucks. It turns out they did have the depth. And that has very much been a product of like they didn't have the depth at the beginning of the season, but the players grew they, and changed and got a lot better. They didn't even have the depth at the beginning of the series. It was it was a thing of like Fred Van Fleet was like fourteen of sixteen from the floor in those last three games. What are you gonna do? Guys catch fire, guys catch fire. Um 
and that's rough. Yeah. Uh, the now the now the Raptors are in a, a NBA Finals. Kawhi Leonard is a monster. He's very good. He's very 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 good. He's very good. Yeah, Matt Lafleur is broken of former former Packer D lineman Muhammad Wilkerson, who played in four seconds of one game. Yeah. Before having his own catastrophic yep. injury. Had his own con- catastrophic injury. He got pulled over for DUI. That's TMZ shit. I don't really care. Sure. It's kind of another, and it's... He's not on the Packers, so I don't... It's a, he's not on anyone's roster. Yeah. So it's it's always odd to see those kind of headlines. Yeah. I'm like, all right. It's it's because it's... It gives you the the perspective from a media perspective of, like, when is someone's arrest news versus when is it not news? And when do they get out of the spotlight? Yeah. And like, when, after your career is finished, do you leave the public eye? Take a guy like Johnny Manziel, who, like, was mostly famous for being an addict. Yeah. Like, most of his fame comes around being an addict. Like, any sort of tr- legal trouble he has from now until forever will be news. Yeah. Muhammad Wilkerson is just some guy. Just some D-line, like not even a, because Johnny Manziel was an addict, but he was also a quarterback. Yeah, he was also a very flashy quarterback very for, a, flashy for a, quarterback. a big program in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, in kind of football central. Yeah. Muhammad Wilkerson is a defensive lineman who played in for the New York Jets yes. and the Green Bay Packers. Why is this? So- I would not use the word famous to describe no, him. I, I couldn't. Here's the thing. He if, was never if, at any point famous. If we made a lineup of of people of Muhammad Wilkerson's size, I don't know if I could pick his face out. Yeah, probably not. Like I like I I I don't know if I could. The only thing that would put it away if it was just like a random lineup is that oh that's the big man. That's sure, the yeah. 6 foot 5, 290 pound man. But I like I couldn't tell you from just his face. Yeah, it begs the question because a lot of tabloid stuff does this as well in that there seems to be a, a an algorithm happening in tabloid coverage of stuff like why does Mo Wilkerson getting arrested rate? Why does some other things not rate? Like I don't yeah. quite get how it's decided whether or not you're famous and whether or not like your troubles are 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 newsworthy or not. Public and, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. I'm, I'm not I a just, fan of it either. I wish, uh, if you had a genie, what are your three wishes? Um, hmm. Well, right now, All like, right. like right now, I I have a bit of an obsession with the Rhodes electric piano. Okay. So I'd probably want a Rhodes Mark One. All right. Because I I'm really I'm in a retro place with with music and and listening right now. Okay. Um. I've always wanted to have a very, very nice house. I'm not talking about like, you know, a 10,000 square foot McMansion. Sure. But I'm, I'm a design and architecture guy. Yeah. You know, if... Uh, you want that Frank Lloyd Wright house they're tearing down in the suburbs? No, that's just a little cottage. All right. I don't want to live up in Glencoe. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but like, yeah, like John Lautner is one of my favorite architects. Mm-hmm. I've like, you know, some of the some of the more kitschier 70s stuff I've always wanted because I grew up in the country and we had like country getaway kind of places. I've always wanted, you know, something in the way of like my own hundred acres mm-hmm. of like woods and, you know, maybe a little bit of water or river or lake on it. And then the ability to like to build something cozy. Yeah. 
that I could live in. Those are, I, I don't know, is that two or three things, That's house two. and land? Okay, that can be three if you want it to be three, if you want to get it over with. Yep. I don't know what the third would be otherwise, but yeah, I've, I've always wanted that like nice place out in the country to like just sit and play my Rhodes piano. Yeah. And, Into the trees. Yeah, just like create Steely Dan vibes have all of seen, my own. Have you ever seen that video of the girl like playing the recorder and all the cows come running to her? No, oh my god should. there's a great video of uh like a little little girl like a six or seven year old girl and she's playing like a recorder or something and just a bunch of cows just wander up to the fence that she's playing at, and they all just <laughs> stare at her while she plays then she turn around and go look at all these chickens <laughs> look at all those chickens <laughs> i do like that one a lot that's, that's a great one that's one of my that's favorite one. favorite moments what about you you're a film film guy uh, I'm imagining there, there well, probably is a, some sort of film sure. stuff in this. Uh, we'll get there. My first one is I want TMZ gone. Okay. That's that's where I'm getting at here is I want TMZ gone. No more TMZ. Uh, oh, I was selfish then. You're like you're I'm, like trying to improve I'm, humanity. I'm, I'm trying to get away world. from it. Uh, I want TMZ gone. I want a, I want a billion dollars. Uh, there was not... <laughs> laundered from anything illegal or a billion ethical dollars billion the ethical only dollars. ethical billion ever to exist in the world i want an ethical billion dollars uh <laughs> um and um i would like a really nice sofa okay those are hard to come by man yeah i've never found the perfect sofa i had it for a while whoa yeah, I had a cool low. Yeah, I'm 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 not short. I'm six foot one. Mm -hmm. So I had a sofa that was long enough for me to stretch all the way Whoa. out on, with my feet or head not touching either armrest. Whoa. I it had a cool corduroy upholstery that Amy put on it. Yeah, it was low slung, but like so you could kind of sit in it. But the cushions were stout enough to where you could put your beer in between the cushions oh. and hold it upright. Uh, and it was too big to fit in my house oh. uh, because you know, if, if for those of you who have not seen my house, like I have two entryways and both of them involve making a turn the moment you come into yeah. it. No, so tight. Yeah. Tight entryways. Uh, the only way that couch was coming into my house was through the bay window in the living room, which is not removable as far as I can tell. Could, uh, I want to, Add another wish. I want to take your roof off so that we can drop that sure. sofa in and then replace the roof. Yep, that sofa, it was with me for over a decade. Oh. We gave it to a friend of ours. She kept it for a couple of years, moved it into another residence of hers, and then bought a new sofa and got and like put it, threw it out. And I kind of had this like, like moment of like, you can't just throw away my sofa. Yeah, and of course the rebuttal Fuck is you. like, yeah, yeah, the rebuttal is like that is not your sofa. It's been her. You so gave it to me. Yeah. Still. Yeah, but I, every once in a while I just like go 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 over to her place and we'd be hanging out. I just sit on the sofa for a while and just like put my beer into my couch cushion again. Like, ah, yes, this is what I'm talking about. This is the spot. Yeah, this is this is where I belong. You start texting. Her every day after work, hey, I just need an hour with the sofa. Just let me come see the <laughs> there sofa. There was a deal where it's like, you know, she when we first gave it to her, she's like, just let me know if you ever need a little bit of time with your sofa. Because, <laughs> like, I, 
Now, Amy and I both, we're the type who gets, get, we get a little attached to things. Sure. And we always call ourselves materialists, not in the way of like, we need to like buy shit. Yeah. But we like things. Yeah. And we develop like kind of attachments to like sofas or, or weird art. And you've seen my house. It's yeah. Full, it's full of things it's full that of are strange. Stuff. Yeah. It's full of stuff that I like. But yeah. We, we didn't want to give the, the sofa away. I can see how a sofa, oh, a sofa with cushions so stout you can put your so beer in it. Oh, and oh, it was a good, good sofa. Uh, I want to. This is completely non-football related, but I don't care. Uh, I watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. On Friday evening, have All you right. ever seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind? I've not. Oh, goodness, I know. All right. I think uh, I started it when I was a child, and I went, no, no. Are you are you a Spielberg fan? Do you like not really. Steven Spielberg? All right, not really. It's too big for me. Sure, I'm. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to make my case to you for make it for why Steven Spielberg, early Steven Spielberg. Sure. Okay. Like, have you seen any early Spielberg? Have you seen Jaws? I've not seen Jaws. Um, have you seen E.T.? I have seen E.T. Okay. Um, what else have I seen of Spielberg's? I've seen like Schindler's List. Well, sure. That's a that's a transit that's a transitionary film yeah. for him between early and like and later Spielberg. I'm so anti like Ready Player One. Oh, absolutely, I'm me so, too. So I think I'm not of, I'm not making any case on behalf of of late period Steven Spielberg sure. or modern Spielberg at in the slightest. Oh, I have seen I've seen all the Indiana Joneses. So yeah, yeah, yeah. early Spielberg. Indiana Jones and all that such, but uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to give, I want to just put this on the podcast because I really like that movie and I have for a long time. That movie does a lot of things really well mm-hmm. in that, one, it is a very, excuse <laughs> bless you, a very slow-paced movie. Mm-hmm. It, it was a blockbuster. It was like the biggest movie of, I think it came out in 77. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the biggest blockbuster of that year. It is the slowest thing. Yeah, I was. I contrast that to like the whatever Avengers movie is playing right now, oh or whatever is whatever whatever movie makes the most money this year, this week, because it gets stopped yeah. every week. Yeah, all these movies like they seem so frenetic. Yeah, they are. And you know, I'm not. I'm not a student of modern blockbusters, but everything is moving. Too fucking fast, yeah, says no. the old man on the podcast. You're right. It's a cut every three yeah. seconds. These things are moving too fast. Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a very slow-moving movie. Okay. And it is, for as much of a, a meditation on aliens and, like, extraterrestrial life and kind of Spielberg's, like, very spiritual thoughts about where we belong in the universe and, like, what would, you know, what would be the intentions of of another species who is able technologically to come to our planet and talk to us uh-huh. like what their actual intentions and mannerisms would be and like how we would react to it that's very optimistic and not at all like martial or militaristic the way we would a lot react. of things even like even the you yeah. know even the star trek series has become yeah. that way yeah nowadays and that it's all just a, a space war film kind of thing close encounters of the third kind is not yeah but it also manages to convey like especially the early parts of the film are very much concerned with like uh random people's encounters with aliens oh very cool yeah kind of richard dreyfus is the lead character and he uh-huh. just runs in like he 
like sort of comes face to face with like alien crafts like on his job as like a, a pow- an engineer for the power company okay and like there's another woman who's uh, whose son is abducted and there's a happy ending to that but like okay. like the like the sort of terror and especially like the psychological terror of like encountering something that does not make sense and is infinitely more powerful than you yeah and therefore is like inexplicable and kind of outside of your realm your ability to know what it was that it's done so well yeah in that like these are not scary movies it's not a scary film but yet at the same time there are parts of it that are terrifying yeah because you are just it is so it is conveyed so well that like there's something beyond understanding interacting with you so yeah strong and it's also because it's spielberg and you can see this in et as well it is also a meditation on like family yeah and and also like you know spielberg definitely has has a lot of themes of like you know conformity versus um whatever the opposite of conformity is uh individuality uh, but you know the the constraints of marriage the doubts about like marriage and family that mm-hmm. he's you know clearly expressing there's a great because the idea is that like richard dreyfus character kind of like goes crazy because yeah. of his encounter with aliens and then actually ends up like kind of abandoning his family to go meet and aliens. get on the aliens and get on their ship and go Whoa. away. Yeah, that's the movie. Whoa. Yeah. And like there's you know, the scene where he finally goes crazy, it kind of in like the there's this the plot conceit is that the aliens psychically implant in like, you know, some bunch of random people around America the image of the devil's tower out in Wyoming. Okay. And because that's where they're going to land. Oh, okay. Uh huh. And so, like, these people are, like, they have no idea why. They're just constantly thinking, thinking of the Devil's Tower. And there's a scene where, like, Richard Dreyfus finally, like, realizes that's what he's thinking about. And he's, like, built a giant sculpture of it in his living room. And, like, but, yeah, yeah. And, like, the scene where he, like, decides to do that finally, like, is him, like, storming around his neighborhood, ripping up all the carefully manicured plants. Yeah. You know, ripping up the, uh, the chicken coop that holds the wild animals in. It's, like, he is, like, not even, like symbolically he is literally tearing up the edifice of modern family life to embark on his crazy voyage wow yeah cool there's stuff like that that i really appreciate about about spielberg and that i don't i don't know that avengers has that kind of thematic content in it (laughs) i'll tell you the truth is not i saw it only because i had the ticket for free and i had a free night it was not good um yeah, it was not good. It was three hours long, and uh, about an hour. Three hours long? It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's absurd. how are we getting away with that? It, you shouldn't. I'll be real with you. You shouldn't. Um, the only redeeming quality of that film is that I thought it was really well directed in the way that there's seventeen stories and none of them felt too cluttered. None of them felt too, uh, they were each handled well, but in the scheme of the whole thing, you're like, this is ridiculous. Cut it down. Make it two hours. Get out of here. But it's like three hours. Do these films world build at all? That's my question. Like, I guess more specifically the idea of like, you know, if you are, if contrasted versus like the movie I've most recently seen, Close Encounters starts in Indiana. Yeah. You know, with one character. 
and his like, oh, the power's out. I have to go investigate it. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Like it builds a world of like, this is just a guy who works for the power company in Indiana. He's got a family and, and things are okay. And like the, the, the Avengers, like the, did it ever start like explaining why there are people wearing metal body suits shooting beams out of their hands? Not really. No. Okay. Um, like I, I, I'm not an Avengers aficionado. I've seen, I think there's 22 movies that built up to Endgame, and I've seen oh my three or four of oh, them, no. and most of them when I was a child. No, that's like bad. Most of them when I was in middle school and high school when they first started How can we out. be on movie 22 of a series? And just be finishing? Because uh, there's a lot of money in it, and if they would have stopped, the money would have stopped coming in. I suppose. But the money kept flowing, so we should keep doing it. Um, Yeah, it was... It was not good. It was it was not good. Don't see it. If you're lucky enough to have not seen it thus far, stick with that and don't see it. <laughs> Keep with the plan of not seeing it. Keep with the plan of Avengers not seeing movies. it. Don't see it. Um, it, was, it was terrible. Well, we have a national problem where we're running out of things to put after colons. Because we used to just call sequels like Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah. Ghostbusters 2. Uh, um, yeah, essential. Those, those things. Like Now it's like... Now it's the Avengers colon Endgame, Endgame. Infinity War. Yeah. We are we are running out of like modifiers. Age of Ultron. Yeah. Vengeance. Yeah. Regeneration. Just call it number three, bro. Like I, I don't I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> the Avengers twenty two. It, it, it's just a product. Like we're the only people going to this are just are like action figure fans. The characters that you're seeing on the screen, you're just like, yay, I can't watch, wait to see Iron Man be Iron Man again. I can't wa- wait to watch Captain America do the thing where he throws his shield in every single movie and it's a big moment and we all stand and clap and woo! It's stupid. <laughs> I guess. I hate it. I mean, you're, you're a, you know, you're a film man. Uh, I would, I would go so far as to label you like in, in air quotes, but respectful air quotes, a serious film man. Sure, yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm also a guy who likes, if I do watch movies, they tend to be older or weird. Yeah. But there's a place for pop entertainment. I just take it in through music. Yeah. Usually. Like, I'm not, I'm not listening to Steely Dan going like, man, this is important. I'm listening to Steely Dan because, like, listen to those pianos, man. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a place for this. Like, people like this, and that's fine, and they can like this. I yeah, am... like is is it is it fundamentally any different from like water skiing? Like, rah, I'm water skiing. No, and that's my it, like. I don't view those as f- films, and this is maybe where I will draw a lot of disagreement. Is like I don't view those as films. I view them as just entertainment and a product, and just something to watch and consume, and not something to look at and go, "This is the best movie of the year." This is a film. They're separate things to me. Like that is just as much a product as like a television sitcom, and like a a something that's just there to get you get butts in the seats, make money off of product placement and characters that they love, and move on, and not something that's trying to be smart or have a something to say or have an auteur driving it or anything important. Yeah, I guess you're kind of summing up what I like about Spielberg and yeah. that like there is a bunch of thematic content throughout his earlier work. Yeah. I mean, there's thematic content in his later work as much as like, I do not want to watch ready player one no. because I think that it is stupid from the foundations. It looks so upwards. Stupid. 
but like you know but a, a movie like close encounters of the third kind i talked a bit about like what's thematically yeah. in that you look at a movie like jaws what you're essentially dealing with is is a movie about a man who recognizes that there's a problem and like a bureaucracy that like is making a calculation based on like this you know people's safety versus his like revenue and reputation because mm-hmm. the whole big thing is like close down the beach there's a shark with the chomping yeah. versus no no it's the busy tourist season we're not going to close down the, the beach we need the money yeah it's my re-election season yeah you know there there's like a essential conflict there yeah and you know there are bigger parallels it's kind of a cold war standoff it's a you know mm-hmm. 80s movie it makes sense yeah and you know, there's stuff like that in ET as well. Yeah, there's. It's not there in Avengers. It's not there. It's, it's it's there's no subtext to Avengers. It's yeah. surface level. Everything about it is surface level. It's as plain as day, as clear as crystals. What Avengers is and what it it's just about these characters. There's nothing deeper. There's no directorial intent to this. There's no thought going into this it's just i mean there's thought going into it but it's all done in a boardroom by executives yeah um, like it's it's not an artistic statement like it's no. not anything worth your time yeah, i guess i'm i'm lobbying on behalf of like 70s and 80s blockbusters to like yeah. you know you in general yeah because there is you know, even a film like ghostbusters is about like and private you know private capital coming in to take care of a problem because the film is just about dirty New York. Yeah. And like the, the ghosts that haunt the past of New York and what you can do about them. And and we were in the middle of a, in the 70s and 80s, we were in the middle of a film revival. And so like a lot of, and, and I mean Jaws was kind of the first blockbuster, but you know, in the 70s it was kind of when like studios started to give money to up and coming artistic directors and say make something. We're not going to try and kind of like design everything about it just go make it make what you want to make and out of the 70s we got martin scorsese and taxi driver and raging bull and we got spielberg with close encounters of the third kind and jaws and all these big hits that were not dictated by the studio system but by the artists themselves and now it's almost all almost every blockbuster that you see is dictated in a corporate boardroom Every decision is made by a group of people. It's it's almost never just a writer and a director with a creative intent and with a, a heart for a project. It's just... Are we on our way to... Because com- contrast this to music of like... Sure. Like previously, you needed a lot of very expensive, very bulky equipment to yeah. make music sound like it could go on the radio. Yeah. Nowadays, you need something about the size of my laptop yeah. to make music that can sound like it can go on the radio. Yeah. You know, you could also probably use like a MIDI controller keyboard and you know, some maybe some good microphones. But like the ability, you know, you could always make music at home. Mm-hmm. That was always possible. It just sounded like garbage. Yeah. yeah no matter how yeah. good it was, like there was always a, you know, a fidelity hump that yeah. you could not climb. You know, I, I started recording music on a Tascam 4-track in the 90s. Yeah. And it sounded like butt. And, you know, now if I, I'm recording music on, a, you know, my Dell. Yeah. And it's, you know, maybe doesn't sound much better. But, like, the thing is, if I was better at it, it could probably yeah. sound great. Sound great. But 
we now have, you know, of course, there are like, you know, film festivals are showing movies shot entirely on iPhones and yeah. such. But we have to be getting pretty darn close to the point where you could make something that resembles a blockbuster. Yeah, totally. On a Dell. Yeah, no, like you could. Uh, you but probably, like, what will the next 10 years? Will the next 10 oh years climb that ladder? Next 10 years will probably climb that ladder. Uh, I, I mean, the only thing that you couldn't do probably on your Dell is the CGI and stuff for a big blockbuster. You could probably, you could honestly God probably edit a blockbuster film on that Dell. Uh, you know, depending on the camera that they shot on. Maybe if they shot in like a, on like a red with in 8K in raw footage, like you might not be able to cut that on the, on your Dell. But most other cameras, you can probably chop that whole film up and edit it in Premiere Pro on your laptop and be cool. And like, and, and we're moving to a point where, where uh, I mean, Great movies, great feature films, award-winning feature films are being shot in parts on iPhones. Did you see Tangerine? No. Fantastic film by Sean Baker. Uh, I think it was 2015. All shot on an iPhone 5, and it, it was it was a, it was a gimmick for the film. I mean, they had a real budget. It wasn't like something where they were like, oh, "We have no money. We need to make this just on the iPhone." They had a real budget, and they chose and opted to shoot it on the iPhone. In the Florida Project, his follow-up in 2017, which is a a stellar film, it's all shot like on I, I believe on film. It might have been on digital until the last scene where they shoot it on an iPhone, and it works. It's r- remarkable, and and so we're getting to a point where like great cinema cameras, uh, you know, like to, to some of the cameras that we have here here at the fall that we can shoot on that I can shoot on are like thirty thousand dollar cameras, and they are exactly what they use in Hollywood, and that's everything. But there's also now, like, $1,000 cameras that can almost emulate what those $30,000 cameras are doing, and they're half the size. Yeah. And and so we're getting so close to a point where the image quality Six of a Hollywood... Six years from now, they won't, they won't cost $1,000 They'll either. be $500. Yep. And the $1,000 options will be almost as... every bit as good as those top-notch options. And, and so we're getting really, really awfully close to a point where... For film and and music as well, like anyone can do it if you have a little bit extra cash. Well, I just think of of my experience recording music in the you know the first album I recorded with a band was in I think two thousand one, mm-hmm. and we did it on tape. Yeah, in in a studio that had a I believe a thirty two track board. Okay, and you know, we we recorded it analog onto tape. I. I played the drums and we, you know, set that down first. Everyone added onto it. But the process of like, you know, if just like I'm sure you, you know, when you learned, when you first started filming something, the idea of pointing a camera at something and then like having someone act a scene and then looking at it, you go, fuck. Yeah, no. Every day. Oh, no. I shot something yesterday and, and half the time I was going, oh. Fuck this. But then, this like, terrible. then you color correct. Yeah. You know, then you, then you redub the audio. Then yeah. you fully in. Yeah. And then you edit it properly so that everyone isn't standing around, like, kind of scratching their head, yeah. waiting for their mark. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it starts to look good. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you get all the close-ups worked in. You yeah. get everything worked out in the bathroom. And the and score like, oh. comes in at the right time. Yeah. Yep. And my process of recording audio is very much similar in that, like, I'd hear my drum track. I'd be like, Jesus Christ, that sounds awful. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, what if I turn this knob? 
And yeah. this knob and like, you know, the reverb is being added. We'll yeah. put a slight, we'll put a very slight echo on it. Whole bunch of reverb. We'll compress everything above and below a certain, uh, certain frequency. Yeah. So we tighten it down and it, all of a sudden it's punchy. Yeah. It's tight. Like it's, it's rich. And like those things used to be, you know, just the, the idea of like putting professional sounding reverb on something was a $1,500 expense. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And like it came on a as a rack mounted system and all it did was make things reverby. Wow. Now it's like a clicky. It's just a button. You know, yeah. It's a button in audition. And I'm not saying I'm deeply in love with auditions, uh, audio effects, but they do the job. They work. Yeah, they work. Um, just that, that idea of like all of those things that used mm -hmm. to make music sound good are now like just part of a, ingrained a suite into, of programs. Yeah. In, ingrained to $179 program from Apple. Yep. Like crazy. Yeah. Movie stuff. I hope it becomes like that because I want the future yeah. for, for movies that we have for music right now. Yeah. And that like, I can like listen to and engage with a whole bunch of like different music creators Yeah, that don't need a studio system. It'd be nice yeah. if they made more money, Yeah, but at the same time, like I don't, I can freely get instead of like the old tape trading and like the thing that we used to have to do to find cool underground stuff. Yeah. And just go look it up on just the Google internet it. and, you know, bring that sense of community back. I want movies to be like that where like, have you, you know, instead of like, are you, you know, are you trying to find like the distributor underground? It's just up, up. Yeah. Yeah. And just your, your favorite, your favorite movie makers are just putting stuff up because, you know, I want I want people to be like considered for Oscars who are not working through a studio system. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's especially with specifically the Oscars is because everyone there is so ingrained in the studio system. It's a good old boys network. This has nothing to do with football. No, it by has the way, nothing to do with <laughs> but, football. It's just but what we it, are. It's been what it's been on my mind recently. Yeah, because it basically, like I, I had not seen Close Encounters in about fifteen years, mm -hmm. and. I do like I do like going back to the things I liked as a kid yeah. and kind of reevaluating them. Yeah, and that was definitely one of them that stood up to the test. Of that time. Re yeah, really stood up to the test of the time. And I want movies to be slow again, Matt. Yeah, I do too. I want them to slow the f down. I do too. Oh. I really, I really don't like all the fastness. It's too, it's too much. I'm like, chill. We don't need action every second, every moment. Well, it's also pacing. Yeah, like. Movies can occasionally be fast. That's fine. You know, Close Encounters does rarely ever gets fast, but no. but like plenty of movies do. Like you don't, you know, just like in music, like you don't. The loud parts only work if the quiet parts are good. Mm -hmm. uh, just you know, the a good a well paced thing. Yeah, it starts. Yeah, uh, you know, knows when to take its time and when to, when to speed up. And I feel like everything is very fast now yeah act three is only as good as your first act it all yeah. is ingrained it's the peaks and the valleys need to match uh it's been a retro week i've been uh i've had a lot of elton john stuck in my head wow my my boss is real fired up to go see rocket man okay elton john he's a huge elton john guy good for him oh yeah elton john awesome okay uh what i like about elton john is that um elton john is a very uh cinematic songwriter mm-hmm yeah, and that's why he's worked so well, yeah. like working with the Disney and the studio system yeah. to like score their stuff. But it, he's he had a longtime lyricist mm -hmm. named Bernie Taupin. Who yeah, wrote I think all of his lyrics for 
most of his popular stuff. Write me emails if I'm no, not right. Ab- right. Not right about the full extent of Taubin's involvement with Elton John, but like, I feel like Elton John is writing stories. Like his music is very storytelling ish. Mm. You know, like, um, I, I, well, the joke I was making was about Crocodile Rock. Sure. Is that I also want there to be a movie based on yeah the events of Crocodile Rock, which is essentially like there's a dance called the Crocodile Rock that takes the the a town by storm. I would love a song based on Rock Lobster. Yeah, all <laughs> that's that's what I would like next. If we get the Crocodile Rock out of the way and we stick with the Rock sequel, Rock Lobster. B fifty two is another very yeah. very good retro band. Um, I'm just thinking of like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. That's a you can make a movie based on sure. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road because it's essentially about like the story of a small town boy who like moves to the big city and like you know gets involved in a relationship and like the whole central thing is you can't trap me in your penthouse. I'm going back to my farm. Like that's very okay. cinematic. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the hero's journey in some yeah. way. Um, but yeah, Elton John, very cool. But a movie about Crocodile Rock, just would like be, a short film, nice would be would be incredibly entertaining. Elton John is very good. Steven Spielberg is very good. Uh, the Packers are very good. Um, Packers rookie tight end Davis Coppenhaver retires from football. He was an undrafted rookie uh, who's decided to pursue other opportunities. He's from Duke. Uh, he was 6'4", 245 pounds. Uh, he received a $7,000 signing bonus to play in Green Bay, um, but he had other job offers outside of the sport has decided to go that way. Probably good for his brain. Oh, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. No, I don't think we were, I don't think the Packers were really thinking to bring in uh Coppenhaver now to uh, really turn the franchise no, I don't in a new direction. Do anything with Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tanyan on the roster. I don't think he really had a spot, um, but uh, he has a graduate degree in management studies from Duke. So, so good luck to that man. Duke is a good university, I think. So, I was trying to trying to think of like, I love the stories about football players, especially fringe football players who go on to become like normal professionals. Yeah, no, just like work at E Trade. Yeah, E Trade. That's like a internet. There was but... a, a a very insular internet meme <laughs> about uh, Derek Loki. I think played for the Chiefs. Okay. He uh, he joined an investment group called the Flippin' Group. <laughs> and uh, Derek Loki just kind of always looked like a chipmunk a little yeah. bit. <laughs> uh, De- I'm sorry, Derek Loki, if I'm uh, if if I'm maligning you, but like people would just take his headshot for uh, the Flippin' Group and like Photoshop a chipmunk's head onto his <laughs> onto his shot. <laughs> yeah, I see it. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> but like, I just. I just love the idea of like this poor guy is just trying to work for the in, uh, the work for this investment group or whatever the hell he works six for. Six foot one, two hundred eighty-seven yeah. pounds. A giant he's just too monster. big for the office. I just want to be an investment banker. Slams his Stop. fist on the desk and goes straight through the desk. Stop photoshopping a chipmunk's head onto my body. I want to be a normal man. Yeah, I'm not famous. Yeah, <laughs> leave me alone. It's like people in people in basketball who who retire and like you just have to yeah you know, you've 
got a good degree, you can go do yeah. something. And it's like, you just have to be a six foot, eight inch tall man <laughs> in the world. Be that yeah. for the rest of your life. You can't shrink now that you're done like, with are, basketball. Are you that Danielle Marshall? Like, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> I'm just a man. Yeah. I'm just yeah. a man. You know, people are like looking twice at your credit card. Yeah. Because I do that too. Like when I was a clerk, if like yeah. if anyone very tall or incredibly muscularly <laughs> Came in, you know, like, came in, I was always, like, checking their name, like, hmm, <laughs> like, what do we have here? <laughs> Who's this man? Um, I don't think I've ever seen anyone famous or athlete in real life. I've Not seen like a few. Just, like, in, out in the world. I have walked right past Willie Nelson and Whoa. turned to my wife and said, that guy looked just like Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what that's, did he say? Oh, um, actually, I'm lying. I was well past him by the time I turned to my wife and said that. We were in Vegas. Yeah. It was during the rodeo thing. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, um, who else have I met? Oh, I've met a few musicians that wouldn't qualify as famous. I have met a few ex-professional uh, sports players just who are, you know, working high yeah. school stuff. I've met uh, a I got to meet and interview uh, Sammy Marshall, who's a center oh. fielder for the Chicago Bandits. She's a professional softball player. And she's kind of one of my favorite professional softball yeah. players. She's also a coach at a college, so I got to Very talk cool. to her. That was really cool. But like beyond that, I think like I've seen Carlos Boozer getting into a vehicle. All right, yeah. Yeah. Boozer. Yeah. Did he? How did he fit? Um, it was a big Poorly. vehicle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I think the only. Famous person. Well, uh, okay. I have two. I've seen two famous people. I've met two. I've not met two famous people. I've seen two famous people. Um, I saw Sean Evans of Hot Ones the other day. Uh, okay. Do you watch Hot Ones? I'm familiar with it. Yeah, he was at the burger joint down the street from my house, and I drove by. And I was like, okay. Oh. And I went back. I was going to get gear for my film that I shot this weekend, and I came back and went to go get a burger, and they were uh, just tearing down like a set, like they had shot something there. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then when I was in LA last summer, I, uh, went to the, like the commissary on the, uh, on the set, on the studio lot, um, and ordered a, a burger, of course, because that seems to be a common theme, a big greasy bacon burger and fries. And behind me was Nicole Kidman, who got a strawberry salad. And she said, I was hoping she was going to order greasy boy two two like two greasy <laughs> two burgers massive greasy yeah. burgers no she got like a she got something very small and nice and healthy uh. i've met i've met a few like tv actors as well just because of yeah. amy amy's work those actors who split time between like tv and theater but that's not cool. that's not so remarkable but i've met some guys who's who you would recognize if you were fans of shows like the wire and friday night Whoa. lights yeah wow yeah, cool. So. That's always, it's always fun. But again, these people are not famous. No, they're just people who have jobs in yeah. these fields. They're just people who have, I, yeah, I don't know, really know if I've ever run into anyone else who's like super famous. I have been recognized in public back when I played in like local bands. Oh. Like twice, and each time I just wanted to die. You just, <laughs> I just, like, just no, wanted to disappear. Like, hey, you're the drummer in uh, in South Fifteen. Like, don't Google that band, by the way. Um, but I was just like, I don't want to. I don't want to acknowledge want to do that. This. Like, yeah, <laughs> because I feel really stupid. Yeah. So that's 
no no one's no one's recognized me as a broadcaster which is especially kind of funny because i know i've like I've gone places where the radio broadcast that I was just doing yeah. was on in the place that I've just showed up at. <laughs> and you're like, this is, that was me, but yeah. I, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Uh, just like a beer, please. <laughs> um, I've never been noticed for it. Yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> I yeah. was never in a band. I was never, I did find one of my movies on a pirating site though. So that was fun. That is, that is fun. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I was, oh. I was amazed though. I'm like, how could, how can you know who I am? I, <laughs> like we played four shows at a bar. <laughs> like, I, How do you recognize? You're not allowed to know who I am. I'm not being paid enough for this kind of hassle. <laughs> Get away from me! You're hassling me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Muhammad Wilkerson is not famous enough to have no. any headlines about him ever. No. And so I hope my genie wish comes true. We don't have any more TMZ. Yeah, let's get rid of let's get rid of TMZ. Actually, bye TMZ. I have to run out and see the new Aladdin movie. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I don't. Okay, good. <laughs> Starring Will Smith. I don't know why we have to do live action remakes of cartoons. I hate it. As I, a digression, I hate it. This whole show is a digression. This I don't entire show is a digression. That's fine because we don't have any football news. And. Um, I hate it. I think it's so dumb, and it sticks. It's that same thing that I was talking about earlier. It just feels like we're like, well, I love Aladdin, so I want to see Aladdin do more Aladdin things. I want to see Aladdin be a man this time, and not a drawing, and do the same stuff that he did in the cartoon. Ooh. See, it's something I think we've lost, and this is me being an old person again. Is we have lost. <coughs> I'll edit that out. Sure. Uh, probably won't actually. No. I, like this podcast is filled with moments of me doing or saying something and then being like, I'll edit that out. And it just gets published like that. And then we just... So um, if we liked something and wanted more of it, we watched it again. Yeah. Because the original Aladdin, I forget how old I was, but like I was still young enough to where like yeah. I would watch Disney animated movies. Yeah. And we watched that movie like a lot. Yeah. We just, we liked it. So we watched it again. Yeah. You weren't like, I need more of it. I, need I a don't sequel. <coughs> I need a remake. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything in that movie that like would prevent it from being like a very good successful movie right now. Other than like maybe some cultural problems with like, totally with, uh, yeah. You know, representation, representation. Yeah. Representation. Problems, and yeah. also, yeah, like gender roles and such. That, yeah. But it's a cartoon movie about um, a genie. Yeah, in terms of <laughs> so, like visuals, it's fine. Yeah, there's no visual reason that it needed to be remade. It's not like it's not like anything they were doing in the original. They were like, we never could have done this, but now we have the technology. Now to yeah, do finally. it how we wanted to. Like finally, we can put Will Smith in this. Like no, it was a cartoon. You can do anything with a cartoon. You did everything that you wanted to do, and now you're just like, this is an opportunity to make more money. So let's make more money. Yeah, I like I like cell animation a lot, and I I yeah, strongly I, I suspect that a lot of the reason why we're not seeing like movies done exclusively as cell animation anymore is due to profit margin, yeah. and that it takes a lot of very talented people yep. to and do cell time. animation, and you have to pay them a lot of money. And, uh, yeah. It takes a long time. Yeah, that's computer cheap, which is a darn shame. Source it out. Yeah, because those movies look real good. Yeah. And still do, years later. There you have it. That's Jesus in Chicagoland. 
for this week. Uh, we'll be back around. I am trying to get Aziz Alothman all the way from the fine country of Bahrain to come and talk to us about uh, about football, maybe soccer. Some things have happened in the world of soccer since recently. I know this just because I follow Ryan Witchery on Twitter. Sure. <clears throat> and, like, something happened. I'm sorry, Ryan. I, I skim over every soccer tweet. Yeah. If I see the first words are lads or Liverpool did something about soccer, I, yeah. I immediately start scrolling past it. Yeah, Liverpool did something. and But I want to know about how you keep track of football in Bahrain. Mm-hmm. Of course, you just load up NFL.com. Sure. It's the simple answer, but you know, I want to know about it. It's like your cultural property mm-hmm. on, on the other side of the globe. So hopefully we'll get to talk to Aziz, and I'll throw that episode out on the feed when we get it done. Be some more guests throughout the summer. Uh, follow Cheese Coggoland on Twitter. Follow MP Fleischman on Twitter. And follow Mellum Setter on Twitter. I haven't seen a tweet from you in a minute. Though. I think it's been like twenty six days. Yeah, maybe. So maybe I'll maybe I'll tweet some. I, yep. I've been having some thoughts. I go through. I go through. I come up with tweets that I want to tweet, and then I never tweet them. I tweet when I'm drunk. Sure. That's kind of like if you see a tweet from me, there's like a good two out of three that I have been drinking bourbons. Right. So that's kind of when when they happen out. Um, f- sign up for our Facebook group, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. That's probably the best way to get like you know the regular regular stuff on when we uh when we record and when we put out episodes um enjoy your summer be safe um send me a Rhodes piano uh send that to radio to Paul Sports care of Mike Fleischman uh 1 uh, East Jackson Street yeah uh Chicago Illinois I'll take care of that yeah just uh, send the Rhodes piano right right there I'd appreciate it very much. Yeah, I'd appreciate it if you would get rid of TMZ for me as well. Yeah, also get rid of TMZ Thank somehow. Uh, if Maybe yeah. if they let their domain yeah. uh, just lapse, I'll, you can just jump on TMZ.com. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That needs to lapse. I'll get it. I'll sell it to them for a billion dollars. I mean, yeah. an ethical billion dollars scamming TMZ <laughs> out of their money. <laughs> and yeah, then the, hopefully they'll have lost so much money they have to go broke. Uh, Matt Mellum said it in the quest for the, quest for the ethical billion. <laughs> <laughs> If uh, if you have if you know a way to uh, to make an ethical billion dollars, tweet at uh, at Cheese Cogland or at MP Fleischman or at Malum Setter. Let us know how we can make an ethical billion dollars. And until we speak to you next time, stay cheesy, baby.